With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you're always searching for your next great adventure or seeking answers to complex questions, if you think of yourself as someone who takes charge, is there for others, breaks down barriers, or sees the world for what it can be, then you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets with these traits and others to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov careers. See yourself here. A Celtic State of Minds. I'm Paul John Dykes. Um, once again, it's a Tuesday, so I'm joined by Natasha Miko and Lawrence Conley for another instalment of the Axom Bulletin. Loads to discuss, Natasha, and we'll just get stuck right into it. Um, it looks as though we have reinforcements coming in. So um, looking at the transfer speculation, I was reading through the last few days, um, sources looking at all the different players, and there are many being linked with Celtic. And uh, we've heard stories of various right-backs, centre-backs, and the one who may be joining us from Roy Antwerp is Aurelio Buta. Um, Great news, but a wee bit... A wee bit late for tomorrow night's game, isn't it? But it's good that we are strengthening in the right-back position. Have you had a chance to check him out, Natasha? 
Watching the you know usual YouTube highlights, real the various things that are posted online, absolutely yes. As you've said, of course it's a bit too late. Um, all of our transfer activity just seems to happen a bit too late. Not just this year, but every year. So putting you know the timing of this to one side, then yes, it's absolutely excellent that we are now finally addressing the right back spot. I don't think any of us quite believed that we would really go into um, Champions League qualifiers with Anthony Ralston as our right back. And it's almost something that we said in jest earlier in the season that we would find ourselves in this situation as almost unbelievable that we have found ourselves in this situation. It's probably the spot in the team, let's put the goalkeeper aside to one moment, it's the spot in the team that you know, really has needed addressed for the longest. Yeah. We never properly replaced Lustig. We brought Frimpong in, who wasn't really a right back. You know, I know a lot of people think that he's probably more suited to being right wing. We brought him in as well, moved him on, never really replaced him either. John Joe Kenny came in as a loan signing, but, you know, that's nothing permanent. That was no long-term solution, and it wasn't really a very good short-term solution either. But we never really addressed that right-back spot. Finally, looking like we are doing that, you know, we've had a lot of people rumoured, Bowie and Soppy and Buta, and now it looks like we are finally getting one over the line. So that's positive. Um, he does look good in the sort of highlight section that I've, I've been watching but anyone can look good in a YouTube video we know that so we'll have to judge him on his performances once he gets here but from what I've seen, what I've read about him he seems to be the sort of player that I think he'll fit Postacoglu's style. He seems sort of good in the one-on-one situations, which is something Postacoglu's talked about before. He looks like he's got good pace, can use both feet. So, I mean, any addition in that right back spot is going to be very welcomed at the moment, but he does look like a good signing. And it is interesting, which is probably a talking point that we'll come on to, is that Desmond is likely to sweep in and take credit for the signings that are going to be coming our way in the next week or so. Um so we shall look forward to that. Good timing indeed. But yeah, we will definitely be looking at the fact that um, someone who is often called the absentee landlord is um, now being very vocal through his uh, selected outlets in the media. Now, Lawrence, you spoke at length time and time again on Axom around Chris Ayer's best position when he was at Celtic. The fact that he left... Um, also meant that we had another option at right back away. Yes, we have to strengthen at centre half, but as Natasha says there, and we've spoken about the plethora of right backs we've gone through since Lustig left the building, uh, never been properly replaced. Same could probably be said since uh, Tierney left at left back as well. Um, today looks as though we will get in our man, Buta. Uh, now, Natasha said earlier that uh, he looks as though he's going to be suiting Angie's style. I like the fact that he can also play uh, higher up the pitch. Natasha can play uh, right mid and uh, right wing as well. Loads of underage caps for Portugal. No full international caps yet. He is 24 years of age. But the question is, Lawrence, do we need a second right back? Because, you know, there's been a huge discussion about the fact that Ralston has been the first pick. He'll be a, the first pick tomorrow night, undoubtedly. Um, he's been given a year's extension on his contract, so he's going to be here for another year. But surely, um, you know, w- when we're going for four different competitions this season, that even as a backup, we need we need further strengthening in that position. Would you agree with that, Lawrence? Yeah, I think without doubt we, we need strengthening in it. Listen, it's, it's taken longer, maybe not for the usual reasons. You know, we'll... 
we had the how debacle. Ten away, we get the manager in. We want the manager to final say in signings. We've obviously got COVID signings are taking longer, and we've got a new CEO in. At last, we're getting one. Frustratingly, he's not going to be available tomorrow night. But I think we definitely need another in. Uh, I don't think Tony Ralston's the answer as much as he tries his heart out when he, when he plays. I, I just don't think he's got it at, at the level we want for a Celtic right back. So hopefully we've got get another in mind. I mean, Ange's press conference says it's not just one we're targeting position. We're targeting three first choices. So as if one falls through, we've got another first choice or mm. boat. So yep. who knows, maybe we'll get another first choice delivered. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. You know, he came in and he said, we're short of wingers. We're short, short up front. Well, we've got some wingers. We've got a Japanese boy coming in up front. We're short right back. We've got a right back coming in now. But, you know, we've got a centre half. Another position he identified. He's not identified goalkeeper as a, a weakness. But we do seem to be ticking off positions he's identified as weaknesses not that you need to to be any kind of brain surgery to know that's where Celtic were weak in, in those positions mm. uh, but we do see we kind of get around the positions and, and getting people for them now I just noticed there that there's a guest appearance behind you there Lawrence it's Russell Boyce and I know that he will watch this back um, just to see his wee appearance there going in for a tinny juice I hope it's a juice I hope it's a soft drink um, this is the issue though Natasha the reason we're here and everybody realises this and at this moment in time Ange Postacoglu is getting no flack because we left it too late we're in a situation where um, he's 40 days in a job when he gets his first competitive game underway um, we're a week later and we're still scrambling, scrambling about trying to strengthen the squad. And we knew this would happen because of the length of time it took, 106 days to appoint a manager. So, you know, that for me is something that has put us in a situation that we can virtually um, write off the Champions League um, going into games like uh, Mitchelland with a, a shoestring defence, defensive setup. And if we get through tomorrow, I'll be as happy as the next Celtic supporter. Uh, but we really have given ourselves a mountain to climb. And it's very, very frustrating. We're going to be talking about not only uh, Dermot Desmond, but also Don Mackay. Um, and when we start scrutinising that, because it, there's only so long, Natasha, that you can say, yeah, but you know, he's only been in the job X amount of weeks, months, and then it gets into the mm-hmm. point where, listen, it's your job, you're now responsible. Legacy issues, we can't keep blaming the legacy issues. At what point do we get to that stage, do you think? I don't think we're there yet, but I think we are certainly getting close. It was, of course, like we've touched on, the fact that it took so long to get a manager in place that has left us in the position we are. So, you know, you obviously 
almost have to reset, you know, so it, it took those 106 days. There's nothing we can do about that now. We can only deal with the day we have in front of us. And that's almost what Mackay said when he came in. And it's what Postacoglu said as well when they were asked in the press conferences about, you know, look, we're running out of time here. I think they mm-hmm. both admitted that. Yes, we know that. We can only deal with the day we've got in front of us and take it from there. We can't turn back time. There's nothing we can do about the length of time it took now. We can only start dealing with us going forward. So I think people were sort of, you know, okay, fair enough. Postacoglu needs time to come in. He needs time to assess the squad. He needs time to identify the key areas that need addressed. And then he needs time to address them. And that's not all going to happen overnight. But we do need to start seeing signs of some things happening. And Mm -hmm. we are slowly getting there. And these things do take time. You know, we've seen you know, players come in, Abad has come in and he's looking exciting, he's looking promising, that's good. Kyogo coming in, obviously we've not seen him yet, but he's someone who's going to come and strengthen the attacking line. Again, someone I'm excited about. If Buta's coming in, addressing that right back spot, again, something we need. Starfelt's coming in to address the centre half spot. So, you know, there is action, they are getting there. Yes, it's slower than we wanted it to be. And yes, we did not want to end up going into these Champions League qualifiers with the defence that we're going to use tomorrow night. But I don't think that that blame can be put at the door of Mackay and Postacoglu yet. This happens because of the 106 days it took to appoint a manager, not because of any action that's happened since they came in. Yes, Postacoglu said things are a little slow in getting over the line and that's something we need to address. But the timing issues and the reason we have the back four out that we will tomorrow night isn't because of particularly anything Postacoglu and Mackay has done. It's been the length of time it's taken to get to this stage. Yeah, and I would also add to that maybe the three or four months it took them to actually make the change uh, prior to that as well, yep. Natasha. Um, yep, when we're looking at the, the signing targets, of which there are many, and there are always players, um, you know, uh, there's spe- speculation about loads of players at this time of the year regarding Celtic and Celtic being interested in X, Y and Z. One thing that we've not spoken about yet, Lawrence, is the goalie. Now, we can't ignore this. We can't ignore this situation uh, in relation to the goalkeeper. There seems to be two trains of thought whereby, you know, some of the names that we've seen mentioned, well, they don't fit Angie's style in terms of having the ball at their feet, playing it out from the back. And then the counter-argument to that is, yeah, but they can save. They can save shots. They can keep the ball out the goal, you know, which surely is the priority. You've stood up for uh, Barkas quite a bit, Lawrence, uh, what's your take on him right now as we sit here? Because we know the mistake he made in the first leg. He did not look convincing against West Ham. After making a couple of decent saves, I've got to give him credit for that. Where do you stand here? Because we've got three goalkeepers, neither of which I am 100% convinced by. Yeah, I'd, I think Poster Cogler's made it clear that he fancies Barkas over the other two. He's, he's, he's what we've got just now. He's not come out and said... I want to change him as you touched on it. A couple of decent saves and a couple of you know horrendous er- errors against West Ham. So I don't know if it's a confidence issue with him. I don't think he get he's so much around the team. But Celtic haven't said you, you know we've named the positions we are looking at. We've not said goalkeeper. No. So you've got to think if is that because he doesn't want to undermine his confidence further while he tries to get someone in. Mm. He's going listen. I really need to rely on him. I need to get him yeah. as confident as possible. Maybe, uh, you know, I've seen the talk of you know Fraser Foster uh, wouldn't suit it. One of the best Celtic goalkeepers I've ever seen. I'm sure he could learn to use his feet. I remember Craig Gordon did when he came. He wasn't the best with a ball at his feet. 
and Stevie Woods improved that aspect of his game. So if we're saying we can bring players in but we can't improve them, what's the point of having coaches there? You know, so if a keeper's weak with his foot, well, does he have the ability to improve and learn that part of the game? So I, I don't think there's much doubt who's the better keeper over, Foster or Barkas. I don't think anyone's going to say it's not Foster. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's... The big thing with me, Lawrence, and we've spoken about this a fair bit, Natasha, you see the game evolving when you get to my age and Lawrence's age and there's things that, you know, ball-playing uh, goalkeepers were not a thing a few generations ago. You know, when I started going to Celtic Park and we spoke about this at the weekend and I'm not saying this was better, but the, the ball was played back to the goalie and after the pass-back rule came in, they just hoofed it up the park and it was a free-for-all to try and win it, usually about the halfway line and generally, if you looked at the stats, we probably lost possession more often than not. So I can understand why the the, no, the more modern coaching systems are looking for the goalkeeper to be confident. Either foot, get the ball and spread a pass. But we're not asking them to play 60-yard passes a la Alan Stubbs all over the park here. You know, you're just asking, play it wide to your, your two centre-halves who are spreading out left and right. So I, I get exactly what Lawrence is saying because if you bring in someone like Fraser Foster, and I'm not, say, I'm not saying that is who we should go for, who apparently is not great with the ball at his feet, well, how great do you need to be in the modern day to take a pass and play it 20 yards to your left or your right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I don't think it's, you know, too much to ask to be rolling the ball out to your your fullbacks. And I think Forster had that ability, you know, enough to, to fill that role. My concern really is that I think Poster, I just think that Postacoglu might stick with Barkas. Mm-hmm. He's he's had a good amount of time to assess the squad. I think, you know, if he decided we needed a goalkeeper, he would have went out and addressed that early. You know, that was probably our key problem last year. I mean, we had a lot of problems with the squad last year, but our key problem with the squad, I think, last year is that we didn't have a number one. You know, we chopped and changed between the three. One came in, made a mistake, went out. Another one came in, made a mistake and went out. It was just never really settled. And that unsettled the whole back line and the team from there. So when Postacoglu comes in, he knows he's got a rebuild on his hands. He knows that there are a lot of areas that he needs to address within the squad, but none more so than a goalkeeper. And he hasn't done that, which makes me think that if he's come in, he's taken the time, maybe collaboratively with Stevie Woods to look at the goalkeeping situation. And I think he's perhaps decided that Barkas will come good. And if I think he really wanted a new goalkeeper, he would have done that very early and he might have persuaded someone like Matt Ryan. But for me, it looks like he's given Barkas a clean slate, a fresh start, a chance to go and prove himself. You know, he's a Greek international goalkeeper. He played well before he came to us. There must be something in there. So perhaps Postacoglu has said, okay, I think there's something in there. I think we can get out of you fresh start, pressure off, you know, and it hasn't worked, has it? You know, on the back of the Michelin game, the West Ham game, surely he's now looking at it as well and thinking, maybe I should make a change here. I don't think he'll put Bain in. I think we saw the problems last season it caused by chopping and changing goalkeepers. But I just wonder if he is now beginning to look at the market. But again, it comes back to the point, it's, it's too late. That decision should have been made very early on and it hasn't been... And that just gives me the concern that if it wasn't made very, very quickly, it isn't actually going to be made because Postacoglu thinks that Barkas might come good. 
It's a good argument. It's a good debate. I mean, Russell Boyce is of the view that, you know, Ange has to adapt, you know, because he is looking at Barkas and saying, well, that's the type of goalkeeper I need, someone who's confident with the ball, getting passed back to them, spraying the pass out left and right. Um, and he might stick his or dig his heels in. I think you were right to suggest that uh, Matthew Ryan, Matt Ryan was probably the opportunity, if there was going to be an opportunity, um, or, or maybe we're just looking at that because of, obviously, the Australian connection. But if we're dealing with, with Brighton anyway, surely we could have done a deal uh, because there is speculation at the moment um, that they are the club who are the forerunners to sign Eduard. I think Crystal Palace are also already uh, have already been mentioned as well. Um, and it all does lead on to the, the next uh, topic of conversation. Lawrence, I'll come to you first. It looks as though at some point and in, in the not too distant future, Odson Edward will leave the building. Um, the figures quoted are £20 million plus at this stage. It leaves us with two strikers at the club in Albion Ayeti and Lee Griffiths. Um, even though, as Natasha said, we do have offensive players who can fit in there. Abada can play centre. Um, and, you know, I don't think that we've only signed Abada for, for the right-hand side. I mean, James Forrest comes back in fit and I'm pretty sure we'll utilise him left-hand centre because he can play in both of these positions. But we lose Edward and um, we've got two two big questions, really, before we even get to the one of do we buy another striker, which I think we need to. A Yeti and Griffiths, two completely different questions, it's going to be said. So a Yeti uh, was missing against his former club, Lawrence, um, apparently it was just a, a minor injury. He has travelled to Denmark. Lee Griffiths hasn't. Where do you sit with these two strikers at this moment in time? Ayeti got off to a, a reasonable start in the pre-season, but a wee bit like his debut season, it's tapered off um, in the last few games. And then we've got Griffiths, and that's a different conversation entirely. So where are you sitting with these two guys? We've got a Japanese boy coming in as well. Uh, listen, only one of them should be wearing the, the, the hoops out of Ayeti and Griffiths, and I think it's a Yeti. You know, for, for me, Griffiths' time is up at the club mm-hmm. uh, it should be gone uh, the atmosphere wasn't good when they come on against West Ham I don't think it's going to get better in any games especially when you know, we go to Tynecastle first game of the season but I just don't think I think the club should have, should have taken action looks like they made the decision that what he's done is okay or, or certainly not a sack of offence uh, really disappointed that, that that's a decision uh, I should, thought they should have held higher values than that and should have, should have moved on and just probably, you know, he's commented that on it. He doesn't, you know, it's up to Lee Griffiths to win the Celtic fans round. I don't think Ange wants to waste any time in that. And I think he'll be looking at, at it, you know, he's wise enough to know he can't have that kind of reaction going on in grounds amongst the fans. It's mm-hmm. just going to be disruptive. So you're going to have a Yeti. You'll have the Japanese boy can play up front, a Bada, Forrest can play up front. You're starting to get options, but I think he'd still be looking to add an out and out striker. Maybe he wants a front front three that can switch all the, all the time throughout the game, can play yeah. front three positions just for his style. I mean, I, I, I mentioned it within the the realms, I'm going to call it the realms of the Axel WhatsApp group, Natasha, that we might get away even if selling uh, Eduard, uh, but by being interchangeable with Abada and Nayogo, who can come into the centre and, and run with uh, a Yeti. I think when I made that point, you know, Griffiths' situation was slightly different um, because I, I do see the priority being get another centre half and we need a, at least one left back and obviously we'll hopefully get a right back and we need a goalie and I want to see all that sorted out before we start talking about bringing in another striker um, however the Yeti situation 
I don't know. I, I really am uh, veering towards the fact that he's not going to be uh, a prolific goal scorer for Celtic and we're going to have to cut our losses eventually with him. Although I want to be proven wrong with that. On Griffiths, apparently there's been a muscle strain in the final training session at Lennox Town. Are the club now looking at this and saying, well, you know, as Lauren said, he's going to, I mean, if that's your own fans and that's the feeling amongst the Celtic support, you go into the, the atmosphere at Tynecastle or any other ground in Scottish football this season, and they're going to be on Griffiths constantly. Now, mm-hmm. that is a sideshow. Are the club making decisions behind the scenes, do you think, in relation to getting them out of the firing line and possibly even? And it would probably be on loan, let's be honest, because it's going to be difficult to get any kind of fee for Griffiths currently. Um, and that's just on the on the, the basis of his the, the lack of football he's played in the last three, four seasons. Um, do you think that the club have maybe shifted their kind of focus on Lee Griffiths a bit? I'm in two minds on that one because we've seen before that the board don't like reacting to fan pressure. Um, we saw it last season when you know the fans weren't happy that Lennon was remaining in position, weren't happy with results. The board are not reactive to fan pressure and they don't want to be seen to be bowing to fan pressure. The board made, or whoever at the club, we don't know, made the decision that Griffiths was going to remain at Celtic and be part of the squad. Somebody made that decision. If they then backtrack on that decision following the reaction at the West Ham game, that would almost be seen to be bowing to the fans. And I'd just be interested to see if they do that when they've been very, very against doing that before. For me, he apps, one way or another, he has to he has to leave the club. It is only going to be a distraction this season. We've talked about some of the key things this season, being the fans and the club coming back together, that sense of unity coming back, the detachment that everyone's been feeling, being removed, and everyone getting behind the team to support the new manager, to support the refreshed team, to support this new Celtic side on the pitch. The absolute last thing we need is the division that we saw in the stands at the West Ham game. I, I was there, the atmosphere soured when he came on and that's just not what anybody wants to see for a lot of people that was their first time back in the ground in 18 months Mm -hmm. and there shouldn't have been that negativity in the stands over one of our own players he was heavily booed when he came on the reception then became mixed with people you know cheering him other people booing him there was arguments amongst the fans about that that just should not be happening in the stands of Celtic park amongst your own supporters any player that is causing that division that unrest that distraction that that takes away from what we are there for which is the football being played on the pitch anyone who does that just needs to go um and i hope that the board or, or whoever is making the decisions at celtic are alive to that are awake to it and that he is now being moved on putting that to one side if he really does, and I'm sceptical, if he really does have another cap injury that's keeping him out of a vital game, then t- putting everything else to one side, he's not the sort of player that we need at the club in terms of his fitness, in terms of his ability. He looked sluggish when he came on, he's injured again. Everything else to one side, he, he doesn't seem like he is going to benefit the team this season and it is time for him to go. That that is the the second question, really, isn't it? You know, it, even if it is an injury, it, there's the, the role of the eyes yet again. Lee Griffiths um, is unfit for duty, and, and I think that you know it's a different uh, problem, but it's a problem that we don't need, Lawrence Conley. Now I'm going to come to you because I mean, um, what you have in the, 
I still call it terracing, sorry. Um, but in the, the stands of football stadiums where it gets to that point where, you know, fans are falling out over uh, a scenario that's either unfolding on the park or unfolding with the club. Um, there are disagreements all the time at the football. People disagree with unfurling of certain banners, etc. Um, but uh, to have that so vociferous um, at Celtic Park, it's been a long time, I think, since something has divided opinion in such a way. And remember, um, fisticuffs, actually, with people disagreeing over the, the boards. I remember, the you know, in particular, the 4-2 game. When Rangers beat us 4-2, they went into a 3 nothing lead after something like half an hour at Celtic Park and it all kicked off and people were throwing um, coins and uh, food and other uh, items at the Celtic board in the main stand and it all got a bit unsavoury. Obviously, that needs to be taken into account, Lawrence Conley. Um, And at the same time, the club will be looking at the, the player who is still employed by that club and thinking, well, what's what is best for him? Is putting on that Celtic jersey and going and playing at Tynecastle best for him as a player? Um, what do you expect us to do, Lawrence Conley? I hope uh, they reflect on the decision and that are big enough to admit they got it wrong and said, look, with what he's done in his behaviour, he shouldn't be wearing the Celtic jersey. And we've got the decision wrong. Now, whether or not that's best for Lee Griffiths or not, they don't really care. I, th- I think they should really just reflect on the decision and say, and if it's taking the fan anger in a division in the stadium to make them re- reflect, mm. brilliant. I hope they're kind of big enough to not go, well, because the fans are saying, this is wrong, but we're not going to change our mind. I just can't believe that they made the decision to keep him. So it's kind of where I'm coming from, that surely now, after West Ham game, and the change in atmosphere, they went, actually, someone sat there and went, we need to do something. Something's got to give. You know, you're absolutely right. And I I take what Natasha's saying about last season, um, digging their heels in because they don't want to bow down to the the pressure of the fan base because it's almost as if, well, they control us and they don't want to be uh, seen to be bowing down to the Celtic fans' pressure. Um, Interesting point coming in from IH Decorate and welcome back to the show. (laughs) Yet again, another huge gain that Griffiths is unavailable for. Let's us down so often it's not true. Happy with Buta. Pity it wasn't earlier uh, and Billy Reid reminds us that it's 50 years ago today Lawrence Conley that Charles Patrick Tully passed away a Celtic icon um, someone who is something of a cult legend as well as a um, a hero uh, of, a, of a certain vintage and obviously played in the, the great 1950s side alongside Willie Fernie and uh, Bertie Peacock Bobby Evans Neely Mocking et al and of course Jock Steen so, and Sean Fallon so a great name in Celtic history and our thoughts are with all his friends and family uh, over in Belfast and elsewhere. Now you made a good point Natasha in relation to being at the game enjoying being back in the stadium there's been a few people uh, speaking about the way that the ballot is working that it's unfair it's not really working because there's a lot of people unable to go to the games and it's not as though you can trade your ticket back in people are uh, afraid to do so anyway in case it affects future ballots and it means that even though we're getting 18,500 allocation we're not able to get 18,500 in the stadium Um, do you think it's just one of these things that it's difficult for the club to manage or could it be managed better? 
It could be managed better, but I don't disagree that it is very difficult for the club to manage. The bottom line is everybody is absolutely desperate to get back into Celtic Park. We've all been away for far too long. We all miss it and we all want to be back there. That's the bottom line. So everyone's desperate to get back. So a ballot system, which is effectively a lottery, is always going to disappoint a lot of people when we're looking at the numbers that we are. I think the thing that's causing some discontent is that we do have a separate ballot for competitive games and friendly games which means that some people can come out of both ballots if that's your luck and some people can come out of neither if that's your luck and again it does just come down to luck I think a lot of people are saying it should be one so that people should have the chance to go to a friendly game if they've already been to a competitive one but then you create the disharmony you know if someone's drawn out for you know a Champions League qualified and someone's drawn out for you know a friendly they're going to wish that they had been able to stay in the ballot for a qualifier. To me, I don't think there's going to be too many people in that position. I think the majority would just be happy to get back to Celtic Park in any capacity for any game and go along and watch them train, you know, for for all they care. But it's difficult and I do have some sympathy with with the club in that in that sense that it's never going to please everyone because that's just the nature of the numbers that we're talking about in the ballot system, which is a lottery. Thankfully, I think we're almost almost seeing some light at the end of the tunnel in this process. If we're talking about the numbers increasing over the next coming weeks, potentially full capacity by that second week in August. So thankfully, we are coming to the end of this ballot process, hopefully, and we're going to start seeing a full Celtic Park again, which will just be special the first time that happens. It really will. Yeah, they definitely will. And uh, you can get back to your, your normal pre-match mm. ri- rituals, Natasha. Um, sometimes that means a few jars with your mates, Lawrence. And I, I understand that you and a few of the Axon contributors actually had a bit of a social event at the weekend rather than coming to help me out with the West Ham game. How did that go? Did you meet a few um, people who tune into the, the broadcast? Yeah, I met a few of them down Chapman's Bar in Rutherglen. Yeah, it was great fun. You know, good Celtic Park. Bar not far, far from the ground, I believe uh, some of the boys then decided to, to, to go into the Vogue. But uh, yeah, great night out. All part of the football, isn't it? Getting at Celtic pubs, sharing a few beers with your mates. Yes. Of course. Pretty much chat, much like we do in here. You know, who do we need to sign? Who's in the team? It's And a big part of that um, experience, Lawrence, if you've ever had that opportunity where people you know, friends, Natasha, come up to, to uh, Scotland or Glasgow and, and you've got to give them the Celtic experience, which I've done in the past with people from Germany, for example, um, when they came over from uh, Hamburg, the St. Pauli fans, uh, and you want to give them a, a kind of taste of what it's like on a match day and you take them down the Gallagate and you show them St. Mary's and the Calton. Now, part of that experience, Lawrence, will be a magnificent monument uh, for Angorta Moore, which was unveiled at the weekend as well. Yeah, uh, long overdue, I think. Uh, an old, old school friend of mine, uh, Canon White, uh, blessed that he's now the, that's one of his parishes. Uh, yeah, but, but long overdue. I'm surprised, you know, they didn't pick a city centre location for it, but, you know, St Mary's is a great location, isn't it? It's brilliant, aye, and it's so it's at the heart of everything that Celtic represents. Obviously, the birthplace of the club. Uh, now, not always do we have people agreeing with us, Natasha. So when they do, I like to bring up the comments. <laughs> Magnet sixty-seven, you're commenting on YouTube. Natasha is right. Griffith is just a distraction. Now and. Um, is the last thing we need. Yeah, absolutely. That is the last thing that we need at the moment. And um, John brings up the subject of 
Dermot Desmond, a pity he mm. didn't get involved last October instead of waiting until now. Let's talk a wee bit then about Dermot Desmond. Uh, in the past, he has often been described as the absentee landlord. Now he's being described as the driving force be- behind Celtic's rebuild and the recruitment drive um, in relation to uh, hopefully wrestling the, the title back from Rangers. Um, he's obviously been feeding stories, or the club have been feeding stories to selected outlets. Natasha, when I read it, the first thing I'm thinking is, does it, you know, on the one hand, does it undermine those who are involved in the day-to-day running of the club that he, you know, comes along and, you know, de- decides I'm going to get involved? Um, or is it about time? Like, uh, you know, like John said, is it about time? Or is it overdue that he actually comes and gets involved here? I, d- I don't particularly want him to be involved in the signing process or the negotiations. I want him to be involved to the extent that I want him to put his hand in his pocket and fund whatever Poster Cogler wants to do. But other than that, I don't see any reason for Desmond to be involved in the negotiations and the signings and who we're bringing in. What, are we going to have Desmond in place of a scouting department now? Is that what we're doing? Like That's not what I want to see happen and that's not the way a football club should be run leave it to the people who we have in place for that to me it just seems like we've leaked this story to the daily record um, and to other outlets that story has been put there for a purpose and to me it just if i'm being cynical it looks a bit like desmond has put it out there to come in at the last minute and be seen to be the one getting everything over the line and saving the day again and yeah it seems a little bit self-serving for me, I'm sure there's a lot of work been going on in the background from other people in terms of the transfers that t- and the targets that we're bringing in. And as long as Desmond is funding them, and as long as we're getting in who Postacoglu wants to get in, I think that's where Dermot Desmond's um, input should end on that. I don't think we particularly need him to be negotiating these deals for us. You know, when we're talking about when he has come in, Lawrence, and often it's in times where we need... Uh, the backing uh, in, a, in a big, big way. And we've spoken about various managers that he's been involved in the process of bringing into the club. Isn't it a bit late for him to come in at this stage? I mean, you know, we were crying out for that kind of involvement when we were looking for a top-class manager following the departure of Neil Lennon. And even before then, to make the decision on Neil Lennon. I don't know what you mean, a bit late, because he was definitely involved with Eddie Howe debacle. So his fingerprints are all over that. You know, in the past, he's brought his Anil, he's brought his Rogers, but... He can't deny any responsibility for Eddie Howe. So he's also been involved with, with bringing Angie in. So I don't think he's been a bit late to the party here. Whoever threw up that uh, less than watertight legal agreement with Eddie Howe that they thought they had a man uh, and was probably feeling a bit of heat from Desmond now. He's probably not liking it. As for him funding us, I think he only ever does that through a share issue where he buys shares and increases his shareholding. I don't think he's ever going to make a donation to us. I don't know whether or not we should expect him to but do we want him involved and he was good Rogers was good Jeez, I don't think anyone comes out of the Eddie Howe fairly with any credit at all I like what I've seen with with Ange so far Don McKay's new to the role if you can give, give him some advice or some help and get stuff over the line where else would McKay be turning to would it be Peter Lowell then where do we want him to be turning to Desmond or Low? He's the largest shareholder. He's certainly got the control and influence at the club. If he can make decisions happen quicker, which 
you know, we're crying out for stuff needs to be happening quicker. Mm. That's got to be a good thing. You know, I might be mistaken. He might all of a sudden decide he's going to donate some of his billions to us and, you know, spend 10, 20, 30 million of his own money without getting any shares back for it. But I wouldn't expect that to happen. I don't think so. I, I wouldn't expect that. And you're talking about not coming out, uh, smelling the roses over the Howe deal. I don't think Eddie Howe has, um, in any way, shape or form, came out well in, uh, during that debacle. But we, we've spoken about Ange Postacoglu. Um, I mean... When we look at the age of Ange, as it's been called, um, and the capitulation against West Ham, Natasha, I mean, never nice to see Celtic losing any game, but I mean, we were absolutely hammered, pardon the pun, uh, the weekend. Um, do you think sometimes it's a wake-up call for the boards? You know, this is how far we are off of this. I mean, yes, we're talking about European games tomorrow night. I think we also need to talk about the, dom- the, the domestic challenge. We need to talk about some of the teams that seem to be getting their house in order, whereas we are not at the moment, or we're not doing it quickly enough. Is that a wake-up call when you go out and get um, pasted like that, 6-2 at home? I hope it's a wake-up call to the board or anyone who thinks that we're in a position that we can compete because I think the fans were awake to this and I think we were alive to the position we find ourselves in. So if there's anyone at the club who is not awake to this position, I hope that 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 6-2 defeat has woken them up to it. I mean, from the fans' perspective, from my perspective, I don't think it particularly taught me anything I didn't know. I think we all knew that we were desperately short at the back. Yes, mm. there was good signs going forward. There was a bit of positivity in our play. We looked good in some sort of aspects of our forward play. I thought Abada played well. I thought Christie looked excellent. We can come on to that. you know. So I think there was some good attacking play, which we acknowledge, we've seen. But we know that we are woefully out of our depth at the back and that's not anything new it just showed what we already knew mm-hmm. we're looking at a back line of players who shouldn't be starting for Celtic nothing against them it's only based on maybe ability or age they should not be starting for Celtic and the fact that we found ourselves in the position that they are is the concern you know, we are going to go into a Champions League qualifier relying on two centre-halves who have a combined age of 39, one of them making his first competitive start for Celtic first team. I mean, that is not a position we should have found ourselves in. So it can't possibly be a surprise that we're out of our depth at the back and it needs to be addressed rapidly. It can be in time for tomorrow night. We know that now. There's there's nothing that can be done before then. We're going to have to rely on the boys. And to be fair, they looked fine when they came in. Um, it's a, I think it's unfair of them. It's a big ask. But the 6-2 the defeat to West Ham, for me, like I said, didn't tell me anything I didn't know. We are desperately short of a right back. We're desperately short of a left back and two centre-halves. Today, we're starting to see signs that that can maybe be addressed. Mm. With Buta coming in, that maybe addresses the right uh, the right back spot. Starfelt apparently, obviously, won't be available tomorrow night, but apparently he will be available for the weekend. So that's a bit of positivity. Getting there, but there's still a long way to go. You know, that's only two positions. I think we need at least another left back and definitely another centre half. So, you know, we're getting there. But it says come far too soon for, for tomorrow night. Absolutely. You know the thing, though, um, and we see this all the time because we're covering 
Celtic's every move, both on and off the park, on a daily basis on the Axon Bulletin. We cover every game on the match day content. Uh, there is a minority of people who don't see the deficiencies of Celtic. They can't see the deficiencies of Celtic. But we constantly uh, highlight them on this show. Sometimes you're called negative for doing so, but we constantly highlight them. So you're right, Natasha, the Celtic fans were alive to all the deficiencies. We never, ever want to be proven right, especially when it's an embarrassing defeat. Pre-season friendly or not, you don't want to see Celtic shipping five or six goals against any club. But you know this, I, I don't have a high enough opinion of many people within that boardroom to suggest that they have had a wake-up call because I think they're so out of touch uh, and they, they can still use the same sticky plasters as, as they have done for a long, long time at the club. And that's my biggest concern. But that leads us on, I guess, to Dominic Mackay, uh, who obviously has had his work cut out at Lawrence. Uh, it was great to hear that he was at the, uh, the service for Charlie Gallagher just last week. Uh, speaking to Celtic fans outside the service etc which was fantastic and I wouldn't expect anything less of Don McKay but obviously there's a lot happening behind the scenes Lawrence at what point do you think the Celtic fans start as I said earlier saying that yeah we've got loads of legacy issues but this is on you now it's all on you and it doesn't matter who you go to speak to this is your job and we're going to judge you on it Listen when you're hiring that level we've got to be competent from day one but for whatever kind of effect they're having, you're really looking at anniversary higher dates, you know, year one, year three, year five, what improvements have they made over that time scale? He's not been, it's not been the best handover, has it? He's not been left with uh, an all-conquering team, a great squad. There's a lot of issues for him to, to sort. And it looks like he's addressing some of them. And as far as, you know, when will fans start to blame him? Lose two games in a row in the league and they'll start to blame him. There's no, whether that is not, is not a realistic thing to blame him for unless <laughs> we've lost two games and we're going to blame you Yeah, I don't think it's realistic that level of hire and what he's carrying out it should, really should be re- reflected on his anniversary date three. what's he achieved in year one what's he achieved year three and what's he achieved in year five if you're going to say right you've lost a couple of games as fans you know it's the CEO's fault there's no doubt we need to get people in uh, you look at the Celtic board, I'm not too sure what function they actually serve, <laughs> you, you, you know, and, and what they've been doing. Because, as you've touched on, it's been apparent for a while where the deficiencies have, have been. Mm-hmm. Been relying on loan players, uh, having favoured agents. It's, you know, it's been there for all to see. And, you know, they must, they must have a database where going, right, who's the centre half at the club? What age are they? What are their experience? There's a lot more data now on it, but they must have known them. It's nearly we shorting. Same at right back, same at left back. I just think when you start talking about the, the board, like you say, Lawrence, there's so many massive strategic issues um, that, you know, I think that someone like Don McKay will come in, Natasha, and probably be a bit startled at, at uh, how out of touch we are in relation to a lot of these things. You know, Lawrence has touched on there the recruitment aspect, uh, how we've been going about that, how we've been very slow to realise that the, the system wasn't working. Uh, like it used to, you know, and, and recent windows, we've ended up having to offload just about every single player that came in. There's been a couple. I mean, Julianne, I, th- I think, you know, um, has been a good sign, and Frimpong's been a good sign, but there's been a, a lot of bad signings in the last 
two, three seasons, and obviously beyond that. But they should have realised, they should have had the business now to know that this recruitment strategy is not working. And that should have been realised many, many years ago. Um, and it should have came to heads around about the Brennan Rogers times because there was a lot of kind of high-profile misses, um, be that players who came in and players who didn't come in. Big misses in the transfer um, windows. And then... What you said earlier on, we've got a kid in Dane Murray who's making his first competitive start tomorrow night in a European game. And that shows you how inept we are when it comes to um, our, our youth regime at Celtic Park, where we don't have enough players who are, who are first team ready. Uh, and you're throwing in Stephen Welsh. Thank goodness he had the, the strength of character to get through last season, by the way, Welsh, because that could have ended his Celtic career. Throwing in him in against Celtic, where, uh, against Rangers, rather, where the team is so fragmented. Um, and all the way through the season, he's really up against it, playing with three different goalies behind him and a whole host of other centre-halves um, of all shapes and sizes. So th these are massive, massive issues behind the scenes. And as Lauren says, we don't seem to have that, that strategy in place. It's almost as if we're starting from scratch with a lot of these threads of the business. Well, it doesn't seem to be any change, really. When Mackay came in, he and I'll go back to the press conference, which we attended, um, and we were very encouraged by what Mackay had to say. We asked him about the change of structure, a director of football coming in. We referred to the fact that he had promised a modernisation of the whole of the football operations. And what he said in response to that was that they were looking at the structures implemented by other top teams across Europe and he wanted to be world leading in this and he wanted to make sure he had the right football operation structure in place and then from there, once the structure was set and that Postacoglu was helping him with this, from there once the structure was set, he would then look at filling the roles. On the surface, none of that has happened. We haven't changed anything. There has been no modernisation in the slightest. There has been no change of structure at all. All we have done is replace Lennon with Postacoglu and replace Lawwell with Mackay. Absolutely nothing else has happened. Postacoglu hasn't even brought in new people with him. The structure hasn't changed. The personnel hasn't changed apart from him. So... What are we seeing? Where is the modernisation? Where is the development? Where is this fresh-looking Celtics football operations? We're not seeing any of it. And Mackay's been in the position, or he's been on the, the scene for a while now, and absolutely nothing has happened. Mm -hmm. You know, the, there is a comment coming in saying that... Um, a wake-up call, you know, that should have happened. They've been sleeping um, at the wheel since Christmas. I would actually go further than that, Kelly, and say that they've been sleeping at the wheel for a long, long time. I think there was a, a huge amount of complacency that crept into that boardroom. Um, and Celtic as a club became very, very complacent. And a lot of the... Um, the downfall uh, that we're now seeing is as a result of that. It's starting to uh, unfurl in front of our eyes the fact that there are deficiencies that we got away with in the past. Natasha, you know, there was a problem, chuck two and a half million pounds at it. There was a problem position just by another player. Or, you know, once the transfer window opens and they're just throwing bad money after, uh, after bad money. And that happened for a long, long time. And now it's becoming pretty clear that all of these um, strategic areas of the business are lacking massively. And as Lauren says, you know, you've just got to look at when the, the flags were being unfurled outside Celtic Park. A lot of people were saying, who's that? 
because they, they play such a, a small part at the club. There is no impact in what the, a lot of them are doing at the football club. Um, now, there's a few comments coming through in relation to Ryan Christie, actually. Brown Warrior reckons that he's playing for himself mm-hmm. as he's in the shop window. Uh, Lanky reckons that he plays hot and cold. I think he's always kind of been hot and cold since he came to Celtic. He's a key player for us tomorrow night, though. Um, yes. I mean, have you been impressed, Natasha, since Postacoglu came in? Yeah, I have. I thought Christy has been absolutely excellent against Mitchelland. I thought he was excellent again um, when he was on the pitch against West Ham. And to be fair, I think he's probably been her, our best player in both of those games. I think when I'm talking about the good attacking play that we're seeing in the West Ham game, if we're going to take any positives from it, then there was some good attacking play. Again, against Mitchelland, I thought we looked good going forward. The concern is that a lot of that came through Ryan Christie. Some of it's touchy, some of his technique. He is on form right now. And yes, absolutely, that may be to be putting himself in the shop window and playing for a move. It absolutely might be, but it shows the quality that he has. And that quality will be a loss next season if he was if he could have kept that up for, for the season. We didn't see enough of it last season, but we didn't see enough of it from anyone. Let's be honest, the whole team was cold. It's hard to you know, have players on top of their best form when the whole team were playing like they were. But certainly under Postacoglu, I think Christy has looked excellent. He is the driving force. He linked up well with Edward. He looked like he'd link up well you know, across that, that middle role. The shame is that I think he, he is playing that well and he's looking that good because he is trying to engineer a move away from the club. There's not too much chat about a club being interested in him. There was previously, recently, have we heard anything about anyone coming in from him? Not too much. So that might be on his mind. He might be trying to get his stock a little bit higher, playing you know, in Europe, playing against you know an English team, start reminding people that he's there, start mm. playing like to his full potential to, to engineer a move away. I'd, I'd like to keep him, I would, but I wouldn't like to keep him if he doesn't want to be here. And if he doesn't want to be here, like Postacoglu has said many times, it's not his position to keep people happy. He doesn't want players that don't want to play for Celtic. And if that's the case with Ryan, then yes, he's looked excellent, but it is time for him to move on. Yeah, I, I just look at the offensive areas and I see the number 10 being Turnbull and Rogic, although Christy can play there. I look at uh, the left-hand side, we've got Mikey Johnston Furuhashi. We don't know how quickly he's going to adapt to the rigours of Scottish football. I don't think Johnston has has adapted to the rigours of Scottish football. And on the right, we've got Forrest, Abada, and, and obviously we've got the young Dembele, who's injured at the moment. So for me, that's still a bit thin. And I, I just think a player like Christie, who can actually play in all three of those positions, we can argue where he's most effective, but he can play right-left or as a number 10 in terms of the squad, if you could get that level of performance, if, if Postacoglu could get that level of performance out of him, then he's a very, very good player for, for Celtic. But uh, I take your point and I think that, yeah, he's in the shop window, isn't he? Uh, but, you know, whilst he's here, if that's what gets the performances out of him, I'll be pretty happy. Um, you know, another thing that's coming in, uh, Maratic 25 comes on on YouTube and if you are watching, remember to subscribe and you will be in the monthly prize draw giveaway. Massive big prizes coming your way. Uh, Maratic 25, get Lovric completed by the end of the week and send Johnson out to Mullerwell, Hibs, etc. for a year to see if it can have the Christie effect or not. Now, I'm going to take two points from this. Not so much Motherwell, but Hibs. If that said Hibs and Aberdeen, I would be reluctant to, to loan anybody to Hibs or Aberdeen right now because, yeah, we're focusing on the uh, the European game tomorrow night. 
But I actually think both of those clubs are looking in pretty good shape at this moment in time. And Celtic aren't, you know, particularly at the back. Do you have any concerns, Lawrence, that not only are a, we're a wee bit short from challenging for the league, but another couple of clubs are getting their acts in order, they're getting their house in order, and uh, we're going to actually be up against it this season domestically. What's your thoughts on that? Well, listen, I think there's a, a number of warning signs that will say we'll be up against it, especially, you know, when Jared came on from Australia and said, look, Angie's first teams, you know, the first year's not often that good, it's kind of second, third year mm-hmm. that's really good. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, it'll be good in attack, but it's a bit, it's not so good at the back, you know, like, right. It's not things that fill you with confidence, especially when we are so weak at the back. Putting Johnson out on loan, yeah, we, we, we don't have enough players in the squad, you, you know, so if we put him out on loan, who's going to cover? Uh, would someone take him on loan with his injury record? You know they're going to be paying a wage for that, for that injury record. I'm not too sure they would. Uh, but yeah, Aberdeen's look, looking good, Sibs are looking good. We need to get more signings in. Uh, we, it appears that we're, we're, round, we're closing more off, but mm-hmm. because of done way, you know, double the amount. It looks like Eddie's on his way out. Whether that's playing a, a mind at the Celtic board, you know, they're known to be to be prudent on their spending. Whether they're saying, look, get him, him off the wage bill and get that money in before we sanction another round of players coming in. Well, we suggested that the other week, didn't we? You know, we were waiting on Ayer leaving the building before we bring in Starfelt and, you know, the timing of that would suggest that, you know, that we were probably somewhere near uh, the truth with that one, with that prediction. What's, what's your take on it, Natasha? Are you concerned that some of the other domestic teams who, in terms of Hibs, Hibs had a great season last season. Uh, you know, it was the best campaign in the league for several years almost, you know, one and a half decades since they, they, they finished third in the league. Uh, it looked as though they were, they were up for a cup. You know, but the Hibs did. Um, they've retained their manager who's now signed a new contract. At the moment, they've kept all their, their top assets, although they were expecting maybe to lose one or two of them. So I'm looking at them thinking, well, they're no worse than last season. Mm. I think we are. I think Celtic are at the moment um, because of the amount of players that have left and we've not yet seen the replacements. There's no guarantee. It's great to get Starfelt in. Of course it is. And I'm looking forward to seeing him playing. Abadas looked good, but. You know, sometimes you think, well, he's 19. Is the consistency going to be there? I'm not being, um, you know, pessimistic here. But then I look at Aberdeen, and I'm not just basing mm. it on the one European result. Fantastic result, as it was. Uh, Ferguson firing on all cylinders. are bringing in players pretty regularly at the moment. Mm-hmm. They're building something. Brown's there to marshal them. Stephen Glass has obviously got that good relationship with Bruni. And my concerns, well, not yet... Uh, I'm not yet because, as you say, I am expecting a few players to be coming in in the next week or so. But do you feel that the gap is um, getting closer in that respect? We'll find out as the season progresses. You know, it, it does look like teams are strengthening round about us, and particularly, like you've touched on Aberdeen. I think they're making some great signings. I think Jet um, coming from Livingston to go up there is going to be absolutely fantastic for them. I think he's going to be a player who really suits the style of football that Aberdeen have tended to play. Although it might change under Stephen Glass, but I think. He'll suit that fantastically. He seems to be settling in well and enjoying it there. Same with Scott Brown, bringing something to to the side, leading them. I think he'll be a great asset. So I think that's a a strong-looking Aberdeen team, equally with Hibs. I was actually reading earlier today that they're perhaps interested in Jozo Simonovic coming back to Scotland to to play with them, which would be an interesting signing if they were able to, to do that, if his fitness issues have 
have maybe you know healed fixed to one side you know he could be a great he could be a great addition to them if they were able to do that and yeah. both clubs like you said got brilliant results in Europe so there is certainly signs that the teams round about us are, are strengthening we'll, we'll see how that goes as the season starts to pan out but you, you do have to be concerned if your opponents are all strengthening and you're not then that has to be a concern Yes, um, there's a few comments coming in saying that uh, why get worried, why get carried away with Aberdeen and Hibs, they won against average Euro opponents. Yeah, you know, you might say that, but it's not just the performances in Europe. I just think personnel-wise, you look at Hibs, they did expect to lose one or two, they might still lose one or two, but you know, I don't think they're any weaker. And, and Aberdeen, I think, are looking stronger in terms of the personnel. Like you say, they're bringing in players that know the domestic game. They're bringing in other players who are unknown quantities. I think it's a good mix. And, of course, they've got Bruni there at, um, at the helm as well, uh, pulling the strings. So, you know, I could well be wrong. I just think Celtic need to get um, our act together in that respect. Good point, because there's always uh, talk about Nisbet at Hibs and uh, whose news found out about him from a teenage blogger who scouted the championship. He'd have cost 850k a year ago. I remember when he signed for Dunfermline, actually, he was very prolific with, with uh, Wraith Rovers. And there was a, a time where... Um, you know, there was clubs in for them and they were talking, I think Dundee United were interested, um, as well as Hibs, they were talking at uh, fees around a half a million pound mark. You know, you look at them now and I don't think Hibs would let them go probably for any less than three and a half to four million pounds, do you reckon? So, yes, it's all about getting in at that stage and uh, having the ability thereafter to actually develop them that wee bit further because we're bringing them in as a raw player at that stage. He then developed quite a bit. Um, last season with Hibs so yes these players are out there if you uh, look hard enough now we have a European game tomorrow night uh, which obviously everything we've spoken about feeds into funnels into tomorrow night 1-1 now had it been last season or any other season Lawrence I'd have been looking at this going well you know they've got their way goal I wouldn't have been that confident they're going to have to win the game outright to get through the tie What's your feeling tomorrow night? How do you think? Do you think Angel stick to his shape, his game plan, and as well as Murray? Is there any other changes you'd make to that start in eleven? Listen, I, th- I thought they looked really good up until beating gone off. You know, we created a lot of chances. I felt we should attain more of them. Eddie should have scored. I suppose it's up front. You're, you're looking and going, what kind of performance we're going to get out of Eddie? So, right, keep saying, oh, he's got the talent, best striker at the club, but it doesn't really appear to be putting in the effort and has it for some time. And the one-on-one with the keeper with the jet air scored it, maybe. But it, I think it's just such a big risk for us, whether he's going to... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Be bothered or not, 
And if he isn't, it's, you know, it's the, the focal point of your attack. But your chances going to turn up. Yep. So I think Ange maybe be looking in if he's lost patience with Eddie and saying, well, he doesn't want to be here. It's obvious. And how far along the negotiations are, if they, if they are, you know, I'm selling Eddie, he might go, well, we don't want to risk that. Let's just get Albion and he's going to give us 100%. And you know aren't, aren't these the games, Lawrence, that are made for Eddie? You know, because well, he missed the remember, one, one. The, remember the discussion that Neil Lennon had around Samaras? And he says, listen, he just didn't fancy it, you know, travelling up to Inverness, didn't fancy that, but put him in a park against Rangers or Barcelona, he was all over it. He was one of that, that type of player that was motivated by the big occasion. There's a big occasion there. First leg, didn't appear motivated by that. I don't know. So, so who would you play? Who would you play up front? I, I would change it. I'd put Albion Eddie in. I just don't think Eddie, Eddie's given us anything. He, I thought he, the one-on-one, he looked half-hearted at you know, you, you, mate, you've, you've got you've got to score that. You know, he he scores that, and it's, tomorrow night would be a, a, a lot more comfortable for us. Uh, I just don't think he's given us enough in the park, and has it for, for some time. He's certainly not. It does appear to be giving us a hundred percent effort. Doubtful he's even given us sixty or seventy percent effort. So uh, lineup wise, Dean Murray at centre half, a Yeti up front, and how do you think the game will go, Lawrence? I expect us to, to create lots of chances. Uh, <laughs> a bit ropey at the back, but I'm thinking maybe 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one Celtic? Yep. Natasha, do you agree with any of that? I mean, obviously, there's the one force change at the back. We've spoken about young Murray coming in, making his first competitive start. Um, what would you do up front? Do you agree with Lawrence? No, I'm going to go with, I would stick with Edward. Um, I agree with what he's saying, to be fair. I agree with the fact that Edward is giving us 60% effort max, that his head is out the door, that he is a shadow of the player he can be and that we know him to be. But through lack of another option, and I don't think Ayeti's a, a realistic option to put into a game of this magnitude, so through lack of another option, I'm going to start Edward. Mm. Ayeti... You know, he wasn't even featured against West Ham, apparently, as you know, some sort of minor injury. How fit is he? I don't know if they'll take any risks there. Edward is still the best striker at the club. Yes, he's a big game player. He didn't turn up for a big game last week. I hope he turns up for this game and he is the striker that I would put in just over a Yeti, to be honest. And then, you know, with that, there, there is no one else. So for me, um, obviously the force change with, with Murray coming in and otherwise, I don't I don't see making many changes. I think, like Lauren says, it'll be a tight game. I do think we are better attacking, so I think we'll see some attacking play from Celtic. I don't think we can rely too heavily on our defence, showing things up. So I do mm. think we'll be looking to attack and create chances. And it's about taking them. And it's about making sure that we do take them. And we didn't do that in the first leg enough because that team was there for the taking. And that's the frustrating thing. I don't think that Michelin's are as good as I thought that they would be. And they're showing at Celtic Park. Perhaps they will be better at home. But I, I think I think we've got a chance. Um, but I think we'll need to score goals because I think we'll lose goals. Do we bring back Jamesy Forrest? Is he going to be ready? If, if he's ready, then I'm, I'm still not sure. I'm not sure he showed me enough. Or I'm not sure he showed Postacoglu enough against West Ham to, to fight his way back into that, into that team. I think I like the look of Abada. I think he's exciting. I think he looks good. I'd like to see more of him. And I think that second half was a chance for players like Rodjick and Forrest to show that they are still first mm. 11 team players. 
And I'm not sure that either of them particularly took that chance. I know it was a big ask and I know that it was a difficult situation in that second half and that they were playing in a sort of second string team, if you like. But I'm not sure either of them showed enough to justify a, a first 11 spot tomorrow night. Well, I'm just, for the sake of the debate, uh, going to go different from the pair of yous and I'm going to play Forrest at the right with a batter through the centre and um, I reckon Celtic will win 1-0. Clean sheet. Bizarre. Wow. Bizarre prediction, but we shall see. We'll be back tomorrow at 12.30 on the Axon Bulletin and, of course, we will uh, follow all the action uh, tomorrow night. The boys, Boise and Kevin Graham, will be back tonight on Scrimacelica. They will be going out at 7 o'clock because we have the state of Scottish football going out every night at 6 o'clock. Great team of contributors, a young, talented team um, who are contributing to that show. So thanks, everybody, for getting involved. On YouTube, Facebook and Twitter, make sure to subscribe on YouTube. And thank you to Lawrence Connolly and Natasha Miko for joining me once again on A Celtic State of Mind. to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.